You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. All right. Well, as I was putting together this message, God impressed upon me that I should kind of share a little bit about my early childhood and how I was brought up and the things that helped to mold me my character, my values, and, and things that are uh, an important part of my life. Is that okay if I share that along incorporated in the message? Amen? All right. So with that, uh, let me say a quick prayer, and then we'll, we'll get right into it. For those of you um, who uh, want to pray along with me, I perfectly accept that. All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, your precious and holy name, I plead the blood of Jesus over this church and this congregation. Lord, I'm believing, Father God, that you're going to speak through me. Let the words that I say be not my words, but your words, Lord God, that will pierce hearts and penetrate minds. And help us to grow in you, Lord God. Help us to come stronger and help us to become more faithful and and, uh, just greater in our faith. And so I just appreciate you so much and all that you're doing in all of our lives. Thank you for blessing each and every family that is represented here today, Father God. Thank you for meeting their needs. Thank you for protecting them, providing for them, giving them everything they need to be overcomers in this time of life that we're in right now. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would infiltrate this place, not just this place, but this place inside of us. And Lord God, that you would move mightily by your Spirit, Lord God, Walk these aisles, hover over us, Lord, and penetrate us and help us to appreciate your word in a greater way and utilize it for your glory and your honor, Lord God. And it's in Jesus' name that I give thanks, that I give praise always. And the congregation said, amen. Amen. Well, growing up for me, uh, I grew up in the 1950s. I was born in 19... November of 1950. That's A.D., not B.C. Okay. And so for some of you, I know that's a long time ago, right? Here we are in 2021. But I grew up in Taylor, Michigan. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of an old guy now, right? But uh, my wife kind of jokes a little bit every now and then. She'll call me the Ancient of Days. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> in a loving way, right? <laughs> and uh, we all know who the Ancient of Days is, though. So when I look back when I grew up in the 1950s, I guess the, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is it was a simpler time. You know, it was, we didn't have all the technology that we have today, our, our cell phones, our tablets, you know, all the social media sites and things like that. And for a lot of the historians, they think that the 1950s was one of the best decades in our nation. And, of course, it was not perfect, right? No decade is perfect. But the early part of the Korean War, the Korean War started in 1950 and went to 1953. So there was a war going on at that time, but it was a shorter war. And uh, we're always into conflict all the time, aren't we? It just seems that way here on earth. Um, the expansion of communism was taking place. Cold War was going on. They, they considered the Cold War started about 1947. And that's where we were having this conflict, cold, cold conflict with Russia, you know, the space race and all those type of things. Um, people were concerned about one thing, though, that I remember, and that was nuclear bombs. You know, they had uh, put out... Uh, memos and messages saying that you should probably think about building an air raid shelter in your home. And there was plans that were available through the Department of Defense. And so everybody, you know, they were concerned about total nuclear devastation and annihilation. I mean, no big deal, right? So that was a big concern. Um, The 1950s were also called the boomer years. That's why we're called baby boomers. You know, World War II had ended in 1945. Hitler had been defeated Uh, in um, the eastern uh, world over there, and then the Imperial Japanese were defeated in the Pacific. So, at great cost, though. Those wars were at great cost in blood, in in people 
not coming home and coming home mangled uh, financially. It was just devastating. Wars are never a good thing, are they? So at that time, um, there was an economic boom that was taking place also after the war. And so those were good times. We had uh, individuals were feeling the need for family and uh, security. That was important after the arduous years of war. So in the 1950s, there was a marriage boom, there was the baby boom, and there was a housing boom. And you could basically say that that's when kind of like the suburb, suburb life came about. People started moving out of the big cities and they were expanding and growing home, you know, building homes in the suburbs and occupying those. They had a little more space and uh, they were really enjoying life. Uh, as I remember too, the 1950s was a time of, uh, there were four things that, that were really important, I think, to the culture and to the people. And I call them the four F's. Uh, the first one was faith, family, freedom, and friends. Those were important. Now, are, are those important things to you guys today? Yeah, I think that's important through all generations. That's something that can continue through there. So the 1950s, um, there, they said about 7 out of 10 households had a church affiliation in the 1950s. Unfortunately, as we know, the church has been in decline in America. And today, statistically, they believe that it's 4 out of 10 homes have a church affiliation. So what does that tell us, church? That tells us that we have a lot of work to do in reaching the lost. Amen? And... You know, it may take things coming up that are devastating to draw them, like 9-11 happened and people started flocking back to the churches, you know, but that was short-lived. They didn't remain there. They, after that was over with, they went back to their normal type of life. So I, I'm not sure what it's going to take, but I know that all of us need to be praying about that and doing what we can do to reach our loved ones, our neighbors, our, our friends, and draw them to Christ because we know that we're quite possibly in the last days, you know, and with, we see things going on today that uh, I never thought we would see. The 1950s were also family-based, very structured families, like the, the role model of the father, the head of the home, going out working, bringing in the income and, and, and the money, being the stability of the home financially. The moms uh, typically were stay-at-home moms. They raised up the kids. They trained up the kids. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when they're old, they shall not depart from it. Amen? And so I think it's best if, if we as families train up our own kids and don't turn it over to somebody else. So the uh, population was increasing. The, the, some of the shows that I remember, I just thought of this, some of the shows that I remember that were family-based and kind of had an impact on me, and I know for the people that are younger in here, they're going to say, is he speaking English, or what is this? But the, it was uh, like Oz, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, that was one of the things I remember most, Donna Reed Show, Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, and the thing about those shows is they all had good value about them. They would have usually a message that permeated through the program, and at the end, they would come back to what the good value was in the show. So it showed stability in the home. It showed all the good things that, that we look forward to. Public schools. I went to public school, and they were a lot different back then. Now, don't tell anybody. Keep this a secret, okay? But the public schools back then, you could pray. You could pray. And you could bring your Bible. And you could share with people. And a lot of times... I remember teachers praying for me. Like if I got hurt on the playground, not that I was any ruffian or anything, or not there, but I sometimes get scraped up or that and come back in and you know the teacher would pull you aside and say, Oh, what's the matter? Well, let me pray for you. You know, and so those were such positive things and a great influence in my life. And you know, in 1962, prayer was banned in churches, in uh, schools by the Supreme Court under the false argument of the separation between church and state. And I think that was one of the biggest downfalls starting of America when that took place. 
But I really appreciated the schools because even I remember there was uh, Ten Commandments that were hanging on the wall that you could go by and you could see a plaque up there and, and spot that. Boy, how things have changed, haven't they? You know, and there were organizations, too, that were very supportive uh, and of good value and character and Christian values, just like um, the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the Girls Clubs, the Boys Clubs, the YMCA, YWCA. All those were organizations that really supported the family in a great way. And, of course, patriotism was high. People were proud to be Americans because we had come through this major world war and we, here we are still standing. You know, we could have been the losers in this war, but I think God intervened. I really believe that God intervened at this time and allowed the United States to continue on from there. Also in the 1950s, the economy uh, grew at about 37%. Very rapid growth. And by the end of the decade, the median family in America had a 30% more purchasing power than they did before. We were under the um, influence of a president, Eisenhower. He was a war hero, one of the generals that helped put together the plans for World War II and its eventual victory there, uh, Dwight Eisenhower. And under his um, leadership, they worked to decrease the federal budget. Have you ever heard of doing that? <laughs> Decreasing the federal budget. But they worked on that and, and tried to accomplish as much as they could in that area. Unemployment remained low at about 4.5%. So people were working. They were establishing families. They were feeling good about themselves and the nation. And they were moving forward. And so everybody was doing pretty well. But the biggest thing I remember most about the 1950s was that community was so different. When I, the house on the street that I grew up in, I knew just about everybody on the street. As a child, I was out playing on the streets all the time, as well as the other kids from there. We'd all just gather out and play in the streets. Our parents would have to drag us in. They'd have to get a hook and call, come in here, it's dinner time. We were just out all the time. And... Today, I just I only know a couple of our, of our neighbors because people aren't out as much and they're not socializing as much. The way we socialized in the 1950 was with our neighbors was having coffee or tea on their porch with them or speaking to them across the fence or when I was bad, having their parents come over and tell my mom. Now, I didn't appreciate that part, but she, my mom would always say, wait till dad gets home. See, my dad was an over-the-road truck driver, and so he was gone basically Monday through Friday, and uh, so I was there with my mom through the week, and, you know, my mom, she was kind of a nervous person. Have you ever run into someone who's kind of nervous about a lot of things, you know? And so she would always be concerned about getting hurt or you know, getting involved in something, and especially when it came time for storms. I just remember the storms back in, in the 1950s. I guess it's because I was a small child and my perspective was different, but I remember the storms, the thunderstorms coming in, and they seemed like they were so much more intense. You know, greater lightning, the booming of the thunder, shaking the house like that. And my mom was, she used to get very fearful of that, and she'd always... When my dad wasn't home, she'd always say, okay, it's time for us to go to the basement. So, you know, she would grab the flashlight, the portable radio that we had. And we had an area underneath the stairs that my dad had reinforced. And so that was kind of like our shelter that we went to from the storm. And we would go down there, and we would get under there, and... She'd have uh, maybe some water down there. She'd have some snack items and things like that. And we'd wait until the storm got over. Well, I remember one particular time um, we were down there, and it was a pretty intense storm. And uh, the trouble is, we didn't have a bathroom down there. The bathroom was upstairs. And so I kept telling my mom, Mom, i got to go to the bathroom. And she'd go, well, the storm will be over soon. Can you wait? 
don't know. So say, Mom, I got to go. And she said, well, can you wait? And I said, well, if I wait, we might have to deal with a different type of flood in our shelter. So she let me go. She let me go up, and she would wait at the bottom of the stairs, you know, just looking up like that. And I took that opportunity to go to the window. We had a big picture window, right? And the storm was raging, and I'd get behind the curtains and just look out the window because to me, it was exciting having that power, you know, just seeing it raging around me. The, and, and, and it was just... It was thrilling. Has anybody else ever experienced something like that where you think, oh, man, that's kind of thrilling to be in that and just having that surround. But she'd eventually call me and I would go downstairs and we'd wait down there until the storm subsided. So as we all know, we're going to go through storms in life. And so the title of my message is Our Shelter in the Storm. And back then, I... my my mom and I, we didn't know the Lord. Uh, we knew about God. You know, we had heard about him from television and from different people, from radio, you know, things like that, because God was very prevalent in society. But we didn't really know who God was or his characteristics. We didn't pray a lot back then. I didn't get saved until I turned 30 back in 1980. My wife and I got saved together at the same time. And so it, it took me 30 years to come to know Christ. But I believe there was a God. I believe there was a higher power. You know, even with my mind the way it was back then, I said, well, we, this couldn't have all been just an accident that happened. You know, I didn't know the purpose either. You know, what's the purpose? Why are we here? So those were all questions that I had. But one of our most basic needs living here on earth is shelter, isn't it? We all need shelter. And we have some other needs as well, like food, water, air, body coverings, and companionship. I think those are vital. That's why the isolation uh, during COVID was, was so destructive on people. No, we're not to, meant to be isolated. We're meant to be people of community. And just like the, the street that I lived on, you know, I, I can remember the community there, the, my, the Jacksons, you know, I can see them today as, I, as, as my mind goes back. I, there was the Jacksons, there was the Downings, the, the Cartwrights, the Pruces, um, there was the Humphreys, you know, and then as I, I went down the street there, you know, there was um, the Nutters. That's right, I said Nutters, N-U-T-T-E-R-S. They had two boys. Boy, were we relentless on, <laughs> on uh, kidding them about their last name. Uh, you know what I mean. You know how kids can be, right? And, but they got back at me because my last name was Erdy. So anything that rhymed with Erdy was put back on me. Dirty Erdy, you know, nerdy Erdy, flirty Erdy, whatever they could do. That, that came back to me as well. So what comes around goes around. Amen? All right. So, our shelter in the storm, what is, a, what is a shelter? It's a structure that protects you from the elements and gives you a place to live. It's a place of safety and protection. It's your sanctuary. So, whenever you're reading the scripture and you see the word shelter, you can replace that, well, as refuge, shelter, refuge. Those are kind of interchangeable terms. Well, if we look at Isaiah chapter 32, verses 1 and 2, this is what God says about that. He says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind and a shelter from the storm. Amen? A shelter from the storm. In our natural world, storms come in many forms and intensities. And I'm not just talking about weather-related storms. Have any of you been through other types of storms in life? If somebody says no, I want to talk to you again after service, okay? But yeah, if we live in this life, in the natural world, we're going to have storms come into our lives. And those storms can be in the, in the 
you know, form of, uh, they could be even like natural, like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, fires, tsunamis, mudslides, tornadoes, hurricanes, just to name a few of those. Of course, here in Michigan, we don't have too many of those type of natural disasters, do, do we? Unless you've seen a volcano near Detroit lately. Uh, but there are physical storms that we go through. There's death, sickness, disabilities, addictions, you know, and all of those are real trials and, and situations that we have to deal with in life. But that we have a shelter in those type of storms as well. There are relational storms. There's breakups, divorce, family disputes. Sometimes those can be the most hurtful, can't they? When you become alienated from the ones that you love the most. And you're rejected. Rejection is very hard for people. People fear rejection. You know, nobody likes to be rejected, do you? No, we like to be accepted. That's why the church is so important, that we accept people. We accept them the way they are and allow God to change them as we go through the course of life. There are mental storms. You know, at my age, I still have a few active brain cells. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. But we go through mental declines. We have destructive thoughts, feelings of inferiority, mental stress, anguish, fear, anger. All those things. That's part of life. That's who we are. Those are our emotions. And today, unfortunately, we have many political storms that take place. We have divisions now. Red states against blue states. Conservatives against liberals. Rich against poor. Corporate wealth versus public, uh, general public. Racial divisions. Ideologic divisions. Religious divisions. Everyone, they, they want to put us in groups, don't they? This group over here. This group over here. Well, I want all of us to be in a group as well. I want us to be in the group of the family of God. Amen? Because that is the greatest group to be involved in and with because we are to love one another. We're to accept one another. We're to be kind one to another. We're not to put people down because of the way they look or the way they talk, but we're to try to communicate with them, try to reason together, the Bible says. Today, I believe something has happened very quickly in, in America and I believe that instead of the United States of America, we should be called maybe the divided states of America. It's like, you know, population, this, this group against that group, banging heads, coming against each other. Boy, do I wish everyone was a Christian, a biblical Christian, where we could love one another and be together. But I believe that people have exchanged the true and living God for the God of government in the United States. Now, government can act as kind of like a God for people. Government can provide, protect, do many of the things that God is attributed to doing. But that is a false God as well, isn't it? That's another idol. You know, we are people that love freedom. And if I could say anything to the young people of today, don't exchange your freedom for free things. Once you lose your freedom that God has given us, it is so hard to wrestle it back. And sometimes it's almost impossible because the powers that be want to hold on to that power, they want to hold on to that wealth, and they want to keep you subjugated. So, that's why after World War II, the people were excited. We had freedom back then, freedom from oppression. Now, is, is America perfect? Absolutely not. There are things that we need to change. There are things that we can work on all the time, but we can do it together and not divided. God is concerned with all of these aspects of our lives. His desire that Everyone become part of his group, the family of God, because he is our shelter. He is our protector. He is our healer. He is our provider. 
He is our ever-present help in time of need. Whatever that need may be, God is your help. Call on Him. Don't be afraid to do that. Call on Him first before anything else that you do. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. He is our shelter from any storm that this life can throw upon us. Psalm 27.5 For He, God, will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Aren't you glad that God says that He will do those type of things? I, I love being put on a rock that's firm, a firm foundation, that's not crumbling and shifting and changing all the time. That firm foundation is what we all need. I believe our world has certainly changed from my days of growing up back in the 1950s, and I don't think it's gotten better. I think it's gotten worse. Our storms are many. They surround us like ravenous wolves looking to take us down, to tear us apart. We need a shelter. We need a protector. We need a refuge. We can't win this battle in our own power and our own abilities. We need the Lord God Almighty to be our champion. There's a psalm that I take great comfort in, especially in these troubled times. And I wanted to share that psalm with you today. I want to go through it verse by verse because this was very important to me and I believe that all of us should actually print it off and you should put it on your refrigerator or on your mirror or someplace a plaque in your home and when you're finding yourself in some storms of life just go over there and read this over and over again and pray and seek God and I believe that this will bring you great comfort so the psalm I'm going to read to you and you're probably familiar with it is Psalm 91 and this is a tremendous psalm. The theologians don't know exactly who wrote this. They don't know if it was David or, or any, someone else. But we know that God wrote it. Amen? And so this is for us. This is for us today and for any generation. So let's go ahead and delve into Psalm 91. Verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter or the refuge of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. There's nobody else's shadow that I would rather abide in. I don't want to abide in the shadow of anyone else or anything else, but just to be in the shadow of the Lord. And it says that we who dwell there, dwell there is more than paying God a visit once in a while. Dwelling means that you inhabit that area. We inhabit, he inhabits the praises of his people and we can be in his habitation. Also, it talks about abiding in him, which is very important. Abiding in him is that we're with him all the time. We're not just walking through the day and checking back with him now and then but, you know, the, the Word of God says that we are to pray without ceasing, doesn't it? You know, and some people say, well, how can I do that? I've, I've got other things to do in life. I've got to work. I've got, to, I've got housework. I've got to visit friends and family. I've got to go play my sports and games, you know, and, and things like that. You can pray without ceasing in your head. You can, you can walk with Christ all the time. And you, prayer doesn't have to be open in prayer in a church. Prayer can be through your normal activities in life, knowing that He is there with you and beside you and behind you. He's there. He's your protector. He's your shelter. He's, he's there to be with you and have that, that relationship that's kind of like the relationship of a husband and wife together, the closest it can be. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do you trust in Him today? And how much do you trust in him today? Do you believe he can handle every situation that comes up in your life? Do you believe he can calm every storm that comes along? I do. I believe that. Some people might say, oh, you're naive. You think that some unseen God 
can protect you and keep you from all those things? Yes, I do. I believe. What do you believe? Three, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Say, what the, what the heck is a fowler? Well, a fowler is one who ensnares or traps birds. And we have a fowler also, unfortunately, still on earth that likes to ensnare and trap. And that would be the kingdom of darkness, right? Satan himself. He's looking to ensnare you. He's looking for your weaknesses. He's looking for your weak point. He's looking to put you in a trap that will keep you away from the true and living God. But our God will help us to stay out of his snare that he sets for us. He will break it. He will cut it. Whatever he needs to do, that snare will not work on a true believer. He will protect you from the deadly pestilence. Ooh, I love this, especially with COVID. What is pestilence? It's a deadly disease that affects an entire community. Pestilence is contagious, virulent, and devastating. And God says, I will protect you from that. But you have to dwell in him. You have to be there in his presence, seeking him, trusting him, believing in him, and he will extend that protection to you. Verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions. Pinions, aren't they on a car? What is pinions? No, pinions are on a bird's wings. And it gives them the ability to extend their wings out. So when you look at this, he says, I will, he, he says, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find shelter or refuge. So that, what that tells me is when God is going along and you're over there and somebody else is over there, he can extend that protection out over anyone he so desires. It'll be fully extended and pulling you back in under his divine protection. Isn't that comforting? His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Now, again, we have another word here, buckler. Is that a buckler? I don't know. What is a buckler? Well, a buckler, back in kind of like medieval times or early times, um, was another type of shield. You had the large shields that kind of protected your full body, and a buckler was another type of shield. They would usually attach it to their wrist, and it's, a, it's more of a round-type one. And so what that tells me is that God has you fully covered. He has a shield here. And notice these are protective measures. These are not offensive because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. These are protective measures. That shield will protect you and you can turn that around. But if an attack comes from above, you can put the buckler up. From the side, you can put it over here. So he's got you protected all sides with his shielding. Verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. That speaks 24-7 protective services. 24-7, night, day, whatever the time, he is there for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you always, even till the end of the age. And he loves protecting us. All we have to do is call upon him. Does anybody get terrorized at night, sometimes in dreams and things like that? Yeah, sometimes you have you know, dreams that are not good. But when you wake up, if you call upon his name, he will take those away and renew your mind and replace them with good thoughts. Verse 6, Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Here again, he talks about pestilence. Pestilence was quite prevalent. I mean, COVID is not the first time we've had a global pandemic. There's been many throughout the history of mankind. And so he's quite familiar with this, and he knows what to do to handle it. He comes up with his own type of vaccination called the blood of Jesus that flows through our bodies. And so if we proclaim the blood of Jesus over us and 
really believe in our hearts those type of things. He will provide that divine protection. He, he made our immune system. He can strengthen it. He can give us the knowledge and the ability to know what to do that will benefit us. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You know, you may see over there and become frightened. Oh, look what's happening over there. They're being destroyed. Oh, and over here, what's happening over here? Oh, my God, what's going on? But he says it won't come near you. You'll view it like in a panoramic view. You'll see it all around, but you'll be astounded because, Lord, I'm here. I'm still standing. I'm alive. Verse 8. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. What is recompense? It's payback. Payback. You may think that the wicked are getting away with everything. You say, man, it looks like they're always so blessed. I mean, they seem to have lots of money and things, you know, and it seems like they just rise above the law and everything, and, you know, they're getting away with it. Ah, nah, nah. They won't get away with it, will they? One day, there will be recompense. There will be a payback for all evil, for all injustice. That time is coming. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, here again, dwelling place, abiding in Him, the Most High who is my refuge, my shelter. Verse 10, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent or your shelter. Now, I've noticed in the Bible that if he repeats something more than once, twice, three times, that's important. He's trying to get his point across to build up our faith and to trust in him more and more. And he's repeated this three times in this psalm about plagues and pestilence. Trust in him. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Do you believe in angels? Yeah, I believe they're real because God says they're real. They're his messengers and they're our protectors. I don't know if we all have a guardian angel as we often hear about one angel that watches over us all the time. But I believe at any point that we're in danger, he can send his angels to protect us. I believe my life has been spared many times when things happen to me in a car accident or, or something going on, and I say, how did I get out of that? My car rolled over three times one, one time when I avoid, tried to avoid hit a deer, and I went down into a ravine. My car rolled over. My car looked like a tube when it was done, and... When, it, when I came to rest at the bottom of the ravine, I shook myself off. I had glass on my hair and stuff like that. I shook myself off like that. And this person came over and said, are you all right? Are you all right? And he said, yeah, I think so. And I crawled out the window and I shook myself off and I, I didn't have a scratch on me. Not one scratch. There was no blood, no bruises. You know, I was, I was of course, shaken up. I said, wow, I didn't know what happened. But I felt... I felt like I was in bubble wrap. <laughs> I just felt like I was secure. I was at peace. Freaked my wife out when I went home. <laughs> so God, you know, he helped me with that one as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's many times that I've been spared. I can look back on my life and see I did stupid things, stupid things. And I should have been dead. But I'm still here, still breathing and serving God. He's good. 12, on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he, he says it, you know, they'll bear you up. They'll, they'll pick you up and they'll hold on to you just like they kind of wrapped, I don't know, maybe Michael or somebody was wrapping around me as I went on. He said, I got you, buddy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. 
verse 13, you will tread on the lion, the lion being a vicious predator, and the adder or, or viper, a venomous and poisonous serpent or snake. He says you will tread on those. That means you'll step all over them. The young lion, the young lion being probably the fastest and, and the strongest, the most, one of the most vicious ones, and the serpent, of course, another word for Satan, you will trample underfoot. So he has given us the ability, like I say, not in our own intellect, not in our own power, not in our own abilities, but he has given us a promise that he will go to battle for us. And he will allow us to stomp on the enemy if we call upon his name. Satan, you can't do that to me or my family. We have a God who's in control here, and you cannot even stand up against him. So here you go. Get out of my life. Get out of my family's life. Leave them alone. Save all of my family. Heal them, Lord God. Bless them. Protect them. I'm believing in that, Lord God, because you are my all in all. Fourteen, because he holds fast, hold fast means clinging to, holding fast. That's where you don't let go, right? If your child was falling off a cliff where they had stumbled, maybe at the Grand Canyon or someplace, you would grab onto them and you would not let go, would you? You would hold them with all you've got until help arrives. Uh, Mr. Angel, where are you? So you'd hold on to them. You wouldn't let them go. And that's how tightly God wants us to hold on to him. No matter if we're going through all these different storms in life, he says, hold on to me. Hold on to me. Stand. Don't let go. Believe in me. Trust in me. And I will always be there for you. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Do you know his name? Name is personal. Lame, name is intimate, and so it's important that we call upon his name. I often like to call uh, the Jewish name, I like to call um, Jesus the Messiah, I like to call him Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, you know, Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, El Shaddai, each name kind of represents a different aspect of God. Call on Him by His name. If you're walking through a crowd, it's kind of funny, if you're walking through a crowd and there's a little kid that gets lost and they say, Mom! Like that. Every mom in the place turns around, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like a natural instinct. What? What's going on? God is like that. He's... he's looking over us. He's looking over the whole universe, in fact. And when we call on his name, he stops and turns around and looks for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 15. When he calls to me, I will answer him. It's important to do that, right? That's communication. Com communication is not just one way, is it? It's listening it's responding, it's talking, it's all those various aspects. So when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him, not only rescue him, but honor him. That means to be uplifted, to honor. Because you are precious to God, I am precious to God. Everyone is precious to God. Unique individuals, that's what we are. 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to live a long life, isn't it? Some people's lives are cut so short because they do dumb things, let's face it. They get involved with the wrong crowd. They get in, in, involved in the wrong activities, using the wrong drugs, Things like that. They get involved in things and their, their lives are cut so short. But that's why God has his precepts, his commandments to protect us from all those type of things that could shorten our life. He wants us to live a long life, a productive life, one where we're touching the hearts and lives of people around us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. 
That's what we are. We are blessed to be a blessing and not just to observe life and kind of stay to ourselves. We're to make an impact in this world for him with people we come into contact with. So God is our all in all, isn't he? He provides us with everything we need to live on this earth while we are here. And there's a promise from God in Philippians 4.19. And he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And believe me, his riches are without limit. There's no shortage. There's no supply chain shortage in God's kingdom, is there? So in closing, I want to turn your hearts to God as your shelter, as your refuge, a place that you can go to. And so I believe that we can do that as a church. Amen? Amen. And we can draw others with us. He freely and graciously gives us the ability to do things. You know, there's nothing wrong with that four-letter word, work. Nothing wrong with it. God ordained it that we work. And work can be very, very satisfying if we put our hearts and minds into it. You know, I enjoy working and creating things. We serve a creative God, and I believe that we, especially as believers, should be some of the most creative people on earth because we're made in His image. And so I enjoy creating things and then stepping back and looking at it and said, wow, I did that? But God, see, it's God who gives us the skills. He gives us the abilities. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us the resources available to achieve things. He gives us all the resources so that we can provide shelter, water, food, air. Well, air, unless you're on a ventilator, I guess. Companionship. Companionship is so important. Finding the people to stay with and be surrounded by people that will uplift you and not tear you down. That's why the body of Christ is so important. We are to support one another. We're to love one another, encourage one another. Encouragement is so big. When you see someone that's down and you say an encouraging word to them, that could mean the difference between night and day. Be encouragers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So today, I want to thank God for being our shelter in the storm. And I want to thank God for being there through all the good times as well. Because he is providing us not only here, but he has a glorious future for all who trust in him and believe in him and abide in him. A glorious future that we can't even begin to comprehend. One of my early musicians that I really listened to a lot was Keith Green. He was, he's considered like the pioneer of contemporary Christian music. He died in a plane crash. And one of the songs, or one of the, one of the times he was singing at a concert, he was saying, what is heaven like? And he, he said, I want you to imagine being in the most beautiful place on earth, whatever that might be. Maybe some of you have been to Hawaii or to a tropical island, or maybe it's on the mountaintops, so peaceful, and the breeze is blowing. Or maybe it's by the ocean side or a lake, and you're there, and it, it's just so beautiful as the sun rises and the sun sets, and you see all the, the trees and the flowers and every beautiful thing that God has created. And he said, when you look at that compared to heaven, he said, that would be like you're living in a trash can on earth compared to heaven and the wonders that God has in store for us. So you don't want to miss that, do you? And you don't want others to miss that. And I'm believing that everyone in here has accepted Christ as their Savior. And if you haven't, now is the time to do it. We're in His presence. We're in His glorious presence right now. The Holy Spirit is here. And so, I just want to pray that prayer for salvation and for recommitment 
for all of us, because all of us can be closer to Him, amen? All of, us can, all of us can abide in Him a little bit better than what we've been doing. So if you just kind of bow your heads for just a moment, I'm going to pray that. Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for your care and concern for us. And Father, we know that you have a special place prepared for those who love you, those who dwell on you, those who follow after you, Lord God. And if there's anyone here today who has never accepted Christ as Savior, I pray that you touch their hearts right now, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, draw them to you by your Spirit, Lord God. Help them acknowledge their sin. And Lord, just renounce that sin and believe and trust in you and have forgiveness upon them, Lord God. And help them to become a vital and vibrant part of the body of Christ. And if that's you, and if you have prayed that, you can come and see me afterwards and I'll, I'll pray with you privately or any of the leaders of the church here, we'd be glad to do that. But as far as our glorious future, there's a scripture in Revelation that kind of gives us a glimpse of our shelter in heaven. And I don't think any of us can really picture heaven or, or have an idea of what it's like. I do know this. I, I think we'll be, shedding, we'll be shedding time and space. Those will no longer be hindrances to us. And he said that there would no longer be sickness or death or pain or suffering, loneliness. We will be taken care of. And in Revelation 7.15, there's this verse here that kind of touched my heart when I was reading it. Therefore, they, believers, are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And it's an honor to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God because he has so many benefits for us. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with what? His presence. His presence alone will shelter. I want to be sheltered by him here on earth and definitely in the future in heaven. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to minister your word today. I pray that this congregation be blessed, Lord God, and that everyone here abides in you, that trusts in you. And so we commit our lives into your hands, Lord God. Thank you for protecting us from every storm of life, no matter what's in, whether it's in the physical realm, mental, social, physical, financial, whatever storms of life we're going through, Lord God, that we turn to you, the author and finisher of our faith, and put our complete hope and trust in the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.